Welcome to Pod Clubhouse Press Pass, your one-stop shop podcast where we take you behind the scenes with coverage of festivals, cons, and live events. We're in the middle of our continuing coverage for Season 10 of the ATX TV Festival. This episode, we're giving you the Day 3 Roundup from ATX. The festival, which is all virtual this year, and hopefully for the last time, uh, runs until June 20th, and you can still buy your badges to attend uh, the panels online and to watch their extensive video-on-demand library. You can get all that information at ATX Festival. It's your one place for ticket information, for schedule information, and everything else ATX TV Festival related. So definitely head over to ATXFestival.com. On today's ATX Roundup, we're going to be discussing three of the panels from today's events. Sheila McGann, who's here with me now. Hello, Sheila. Hey. You know Sheila from several different Pod Clubhouse podcasts, but most uh, applicable for today's discussion is the Heller Good, the Younger podcast. Uh, she's going to be joining me in a second to discuss today's Younger panel, which happened earlier in the day. Um, then I'm going to be discussing the panel that happened for Sex Life, Netflix's upcoming series. Some hot, hot biz going on over at Netflix. And then uh, a little bit later on, Kat Gonzalez from Shuffle Online and Latinx Lens Podcast is going to be joining me to discuss the Selena the series panel which happened uh which happened actually just a couple hours ago pretty pretty late tonight before we get to all of that here are the other panels from today uh that we're not going to be discussing but you should go check them out uh there was a discussion from apple tv's home before dark and which they also gave you a sneak peek at the upcoming season two there was guess who's laughing now a panel presented by glad that's the gay and lesbian alliance against defamation if you uh need to know uh discussing how the trans representation in hollywood is finally turning from being the butt of the joke in comedic situations two trans voices beginning to lead uh, and become comedic voices themselves in fronting uh, projects thanks to a new wave of trans creators, writers, and performers who are bringing their comedic voice to the forefront. There was also a panel discussing Peacock's original series We Are Lady Parts, which seems like an offbeat comedy series and follows a punk band made up of Muslim women called Lady Parts. A reunion of the cancelled too soon comedy Faking It, which ran for three seasons on MTV from two 2013 to 2016. And finally, tonight's marquee event was a screening of and a discussion about Small Axe, Amazon Prime Video's critically acclaimed anthology series. So big day uh, on this Sunday at ATX TV Festival, Sheila. A lot of stuff going on. And we were kind of, I mean, thank God it's virtual. I don't know if we were in Austin, you know, hanging out with the dailies and going from room to room. I don't know that we'd be able to cover everything like we're being able to do from our couches. As much as like we have this divide and conquer approach, that still seems like too big a lineup for us to like physically cover in person. So, wow, that's quite a lineup. But can I just say like how great it is that this stuff is just still happening and like we're getting closer to being back in person. Like I got my fan verification for Comic-Con in New York and I'm like, yay. I, it's, it's really good stuff. I mean, hopefully with uh, New York Comic-Con uh, being back in person and San Diego Comic-Con talking about doing something in the fall or early winter in person. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely feels great. This was the second year that ATX moved to uh, moved to virtual. Actually, Paul and Caroline talk about this in the day one roundup. They've been attending ATX TV Festival, I think, from the very first year or like the second year. They, they are like OGs with the ATX TV Festival and always in 
person and they've just been there. They've seen it all happen and unfold in Austin. Yeah. So being virtual has been a big change for them, uh, but definitely go listen to their thoughts about the festival and what it means and, and just the general vibe. They, they give you a great sense of what it feels like to be in person because it's not like other cons that you are at. So I think that gives us all of our housekeeping out of the way. I want to talk to you about the younger panel today because last week was the finale. Just this past Thursday was the finale of younger after seven seasons. After seven seasons, it's come to a close. Have you, have you processed yet? I know you and Emma published uh, the last podcast. It's out there for everyone to listen to Heller good, the younger podcast. Uh, How are you dealing with, with uh, the show be uh, the show ending and, and then getting to see some of the people back today. I'm excited for where the series ended off. Um, it was a bumpy season uh, in terms of the storytelling and um, but they they got it together in the end in such a, a great way. There was a fin- there was a really fantastic send off for each of the cast. Um, we left them all in a really good place that felt very authentic for where the characters have gone through the seven seasons. So we liked where where they ended up and we liked how the show just ended on a really good high note. Um the, the there was lots of problems with the with COVID interruptions and uh, casting issues and things like that. So that was where we really kind of felt that the storyline, you know, just had some just rougher moments. So like we were missing Diana, who's a Miriam Shore, who's a very big part of the the series. She really hey hey hey! She gave me like thirty seconds, you know, randomly in the middle of the in season. episode seven. It yeah. was it was like it was like two minutes and twenty five seconds, and it just was not enough. Um, I think you and Emma even talked about how the fact that it was almost better. It, you almost wish that they had not included her at all at that point. Yeah, because you know? it was just it was a nasty tease because she brings so much life and so much vibrancy and so much of the costume element of what this this panel today was about that we were we were talking about that in one of the episodes like we're just missing the the ostentatiousness of her and her statement necklaces and yeah so actually getting to see uh nico tortorella and molly bernard today in the panel was just like okay like they're still here they're still talking about younger they still love it okay good um so i really i really enjoyed this panel it was short it was like 45 minutes i, I was expecting i guess maybe a little bit longer but they were talking about the the costume element of it. Uh, Jackie DiMatteo, the costume designer of Younger for the entire length of the series, was there as well in the panel. And they were all on Zoom. It was a pre-recorded panel. And I thought it was fantastic. I was just I was smiling like these big, dumb smiles, like all through the panel, because just the genuine love that they have for the show really emanated even over Zoom. Because when you're in the panels live and, and you, you, like you said, at Comic-Con, you know, you're there and I'm one of these nerds that gets there early. So I get like a like a good seat up front. You know, y- you see the interaction, but to see them just like in their home element uh, or in just an element of, of where they, they spend time. It could have been like on set um, or like in their their you know, on because I know Nico Totorola is filming a movie, so he's not actually home. Um, but just to see them in their element and, you know, interacting with each other, there's such a genuineness to these 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 actors and the love that they feel for these characters is really exuding through, you know, these these mediums. So I, I appreciated being able to attend this panel today. I mean, something tells me uh, that Sutton, this is the exact kind of festival she would normally attend, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my little fact sheet actually says that this is the sixth year 
that ATX, uh, that Youngers appeared at ATX. Now, if you consider that this is the 10th year of ATX, I mean, more than half of it, it's been spent yeah. with Younger, which is pretty impressive. Uh, she's in England, I believe, right now, I think doing Pippin? She's doing some show on the West End, getting she ready is, yes. as like a, a tune-up for Music Man in the fall uh, on Broadway. Um, but yeah, it seems it, this is the exact kind of show that you get at Younger, and I'm sure in five years or 10 years, they will have a Younger reunion where they will arrange for the entire giant cast to come and hang out on some couches and, and talk about the show. It has that kind of vibe uh, that matches, I think, really well with the... Uh, how do I want to say the the aesthetic of ATX TV festival? So funny enough that you mentioned like a reunion type situation for the younger group, and then the, the length of time that they've been at ATX. This was actually mentioned in in the panel that the, as sad as we are that younger has finished, um, you know, there's always like the fingers crossed of the spinoff. But they said you know that ATX definitely will be knocking on the doors in a couple of years for a reunion panel for younger so that's already sort of like out there in the ether so um yeah no that's one of the things that atx does so well i mean they kicked off this year uh with a a friday night lights uh reunion like tonight was a faking it reunion the atx tv festival loves new stuff but they also love bringing back old stuff too for fans to get all nostalgia about so yeah i'm positive younger will be back sooner rather than later yeah, I mean, the, the show's over for four days and I'm already feeling the nostalgia from this panel. So, <laughs> so, so Jackie DiMaterio was top bill on this panel. And, and as the costume designer, I'm presuming that they were talking about the fashion on the show, which is something that is kind of talked about when it comes to younger but you know the way the characters look and the dress and you know it's it's that kind of show where fashion is a big part of it what uh did you learn anything give me give me a couple things that maybe you learned that you didn't know from the discussion today i learned that um there's a whole lot of kink out there in the world where they were looking for (laughs) they were looking for an adult baby diaper for this season uh there was a moment where uh Josh is dating a a music producer and she doesn't know that he's got a daughter and she finds when he's not home, she's waiting for him. She wants to surprise him uh, when he comes home and she finds all of his daughter's diapers. So she kind of fashions them into her own little diaper. It's like, whatever you're into, I'm here for. So Jackie DiMateria was saying that her and her team, they wanted to go out and find something realistic in the diaper world, but they had to kind of hunt in maybe less familiar territory in order to find the right the right aesthetic that they were looking for, for a, an adult baby diaper. They wanted something to actually look like a baby diaper adult size. So there was um, there were some things that they want to unsee in their life from this search. But um, I thought that was really funny. And uh, Jackie was, uh, if you can see somebody blush over Zoom, I think she was blushing over Zoom. It was very funny and it was very cute to see how, how that all happened. They also mentioned... Um, how so in learning about the characters Jackie really wanted to get to know the actors so she she spent a lot of time with them and you know just in just the fitting process it takes a lot of time but she took the time to get to know them and invited them to bring some of their own pieces so like Josh has a motorcycle jacket that's very um it's very prevalent throughout the seasons and that's actually his it's like a vintage uh saint laurent jacket and she incorporated that into his style so i like the fact that she was bridging their sort of real personalities and making it work with the characters in the show so i thought that was really cool too 
I love that. I love that. I love the, I love getting a little, it's not necessarily even behind the scenes knowledge, but it, it's kind of, it deepens the well of the thought that goes into the show. Yeah. Like so. understanding her process as well and finding inspiration then to branch out, to find new pieces for the different scenes that they go through. The panel was pre-recorded, so maybe the finale hadn't even uh, aired when they shot this. But was there any discussion of the show ending and 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 about how maybe or the show evolved over the years or just what it felt like to wrap up the show? I'm sure they all had thoughts on the show ending. Yeah, so Molly Bernard got actually a little emotional. She plays Lauren. We did get a little Heller Good shout out. Lauren was talking about her Heller Good PR. And I was like, oh, there we are. We got our shout out. We're good. I'm taking it. I'm taking it I'm as taking a win. It. Exactly. Uh, you know, a- and we could like fashion look like this is Molly Bernard for pot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. So they talked about the finale. And um, so the, the one of the last questions that was asked of the panelists was, you know, what are your kind of favorite moments from the series, from the show? You know, if you have a favorite moment. And Molly actually said that for however the scheduling worked out, that she was actually scheduled for all of the days that everybody's last scene was being shot. So she was always just like the last one that they were with. So she said, I got to see just all of these tender moments from like Debbie and from, from Nico and from Sutton. And she said, in my last day, you know, Sutton came out of the dark and just, you know, we just embraced it. It was just a very sweet moment. Then she got a little emotional, but um, so they were talking about some of their favorite moments and just talking about the, the finale and just being really grateful that, in the time of COVID to have to have filmed this and with all of the restrictions and all of the protocols that they had to follow. So just being grateful that they were able to do this and to do something that they're proud of and to to wrap the series up in such a way that is like a love letter to their fans. Now, as a fan of the show and someone who's covered it and talked about it extensively, are, are Molly and Nick or, or let's say Josh and Lauren, are these the characters that you would have had on if you had your way to discuss fashion on the show? Uh, or, or, you know, what? Let, let's play Sheila is the festival organizer. Who, who are you spending your capital trying to make sure you get there from from a fashion discussion? You know, you really can't go wrong. This is such a non-answer. I'm sorry, but you really can't go wrong with any of the characters from That's fair. the show. That's fair. Listen, yeah. Because Jackie and her team really spent so much time developing their style, developing their look to match their evolution throughout the show. So they talk about you know, how dressing Sutton in the very first season was very chaotic because she was trying to find her voice as a 40-year-old, 26-year-old, trying to play a 26-year-old, just talking about the evolution of the of the clothes and, and, and whatnot. So there was definitely some Kelsey envy and in her wardrobe, Hillary Duff's character. Molly was uh, coveting her her wardrobe that but you really can't go wrong because there's there's so much depth to what they've covered in seven seasons. Jackie DiMatteria was saying that her favorite is probably the Princess Pam Pam, which is like the the takeoff of like George R. R. Martin. And uh, they had. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they had Princess Pam Pam. And, sh- and so she was basically dressed in like a, a furry Princess Leia outfit from Return of the Jedi, uh, essentially, and, you know, parading around Times Square like that. Yeah. So I think really with with any of the characters, like if you'd had Peter Herman, who plays Charles, like you would have had just a different level of conversation about because he's always very polished and he's very uh, stoic almost in his dress. So, yeah, you you really have nobody's going to be a disappointment if you if you got 
anybody else, you would just be like, even like Ginny Garofalo was on for, I think, four or five episodes this season and she made a guest, uh, you know, recurring appearance. But even her outfits were very intentional and very much matching the personality of her character. And she was a pretty minor character in the overall scheme of things, but they took the time and the effort. So, I mean, if you told me that Ginny Garofalo was part of this panel, I would have been like, yes, there's really no disappointment to be had from anybody on the show being part of this panel. And having Lauren... In particular, they highlighted a lot of her personality in the show and what she brings and what that means for the LGBT community as well. So making sure that she's in a very ostentatious kind of a setup um, from her her furry moo-moo, um, mew-mew, um, at the very end to all of her, like her Barbarella party at the beginning of this season. There was just so much focus on how the personalities match the costume. And it was just, it was so interesting to hear that evolution. I love that. I love that. Well, I think you and Emma are going to be doing uh, an episode about this panel and maybe yes, a little more younger wrap up. Uh, so I don't want to I don't want to spoil all the goods now, but definitely. Oh, there, we got we got some good things to share in that podcast episode. Don't you worry. As someone who is now feeling uh, the loss of younger after only even a few days, knowing that it's not there's no new episode coming out this Thursday. Uh, did this scratch the younger itch for you, at least temporarily? Yeah, it did because they they'd only just wrapped it, it hasn't been that long since they stopped filming till actually airing. They were kind of on a very tight turnaround, which was also I guess a little, you know, panic inducing on their ends. So it's still pretty fresh for them as well. So there's yeah, they they covered a lot and they talked about some of their favorite moments which we'll talk about in um the the longer episode with Emma. Oh, well, make sure you guys are subscribed to Heller Good, the younger podcast, so you make sure you don't uh, miss that episode with Sheila and Emma coming out maybe later this week or next week, depending on schedules. I, I want to tell you about a panel I listened to today. I think I'm the only one who sat in on this one. There's a show coming to Netflix. It comes out June 25th. It's an eight-episode series. It's called uh, Sex Life or Sex Forward Slash Life, uh, if you could picture that in your head. It's uh, based on the 2016 book, 44 Chapters About Four Men, a memoir by B.B. Easton. Uh, It's a really sexy show, but it's, it's unique because it is refreshingly being told from the women's point of view. Uh, On this panel, the phrase female gaze came up a couple of times, and in a good way. The idea that it's well past time that a show talks about women's sexuality from the women's point of view. So so we'll get into this a little bit. The Uh, Here's the official logline for the show that ATX is using. Sex life is the story of a love triangle between a woman, her husband, and her past that takes a provocative new look at female identity and desire. Uh, I've seen the pilot, and this is really some sexy business. Uh, Like I said, it's refreshingly sex positive from the woman's point of view. The lead character, Billy, Billy Connolly, played by Sarah Shahi, unapologetically sexual. She acknowledges that she's got a great deal with her husband, 
but she just wants him to, quote, fuck her brains out. It's this woman who is torn between her perfect life that she has now with this husband who does everything right and is on paper very perfect and and in practice is very perfect. Uh, But the sex life has dulled and she needs it more and she needs it better. And she finds herself wondering back to the woman that she used to be when she was in college or grad school, I think, where, you know, she was getting plowed on the regs and because she wanted to and she was seizing that power. If it was a guy saying it from a guy thing, be like, you'd seen this a thousand times. Man needs to sow oats. Wife isn't enough. But it's a story that you really never get from a woman's point of view. So I, I was I was really intrigued by it. It's been on my bubble. I've been getting the emails from Netflix about it, but I really hadn't sat down to watch it or, or think about it. Um, but with the panel coming up, I watched the pilot and then the pilot was good. I, I, I was it, I was drawn into it. But listening to the panel, it changed, I think, how I had viewed the pilot and where I then went and watched it again with kind of new eyes. So on the panel was Stacey Rukeyser, who's the creator and showrunner, J. Miles Dale, who is the executive producer. He's the one who found the book and wanted to bring it to Netflix and hired Stacey to run it. Uh, Sarah Shahi, who plays the lead Billy Connolly, Mike Vogel, who plays her husband Cooper, Adam Demos, who plays Brad Simon, and Margaret Odette, who plays Billy's best friend, Sasha. There's a lot of nudity in this show. Uh, Even in the first episode, there's men's butts, there's boobs, there's lots of pussies getting eaten out. Uh, It's... This all sounds fantastic. It's... Yeah, and and again, it's unapologetic, and it's you know the female gaze they they bring that they bring the question up, and uh, Stacy Rukeyser, who is really a good spokeswoman for the show, she started off the panel by talking about the show is asking a couple of questions, and it's dealing with a couple of topics. It's dealing with the choices that we all make as we grow up and become responsible adults. That's not an exact quote, but that's a pretty close paraphrase. And it asks the age-old question: Can we have it all? You know, Stacy talking about why this show, why she was so taken by the show you know she she talks about how herself you know it that it related to her on a personal level she she talked about how she's a wife and she's a mom now but that she was a wild child on the streets of new york city once too you know she was billy she she's billy now as a mom and a wife and she was billy back in the day and and reconciling with i miss her that was a whole different me that's a phrase that you hear in the show it was a whole different me back then what happened to that girl what happened to that young woman when did i become this when did i put my sexuality on a shelf but at the same time recognizing and and that's the thing you can't lose sight of like they're recognizing that they have a good life they have a great life but can't they have it all? Can't they have the vibrant sex life that they want and also have the great life besides the sex life? You know, Sarah, she's great. I don't know if you know her at all. I, she's been on a bunch of shows I've liked over the years. Uh, she was in Fairly Legal and Person of Interest. And most recently for me, she was on Reverie, which was a great show. Those shows uh, and the Fairly Legal and Reverie were two of my favorites and it didn't really stick. Person of interest, she had a very long, long time arc on, but she was most recently in The Rookie and uh, City on the Hill is like her most recent job uh, that yeah, she's Yeah, I in. know her most recently from The Rookie. Okay, so there you go. So yeah, so all the shows that I had, like Fairly Legal Person of Interest or Reverie, those are actually several years in the past yeah. now. She's done a long stint on Chicago Fire since then, The Rookie, and most recently City on the Hill. And I think they're doing like a four-year consideration, like Emmy push for her for like City on the Hill right now. So she's been on a ton of shows. She's a fantastic actress. I've always found her beautiful i've always found her sexy and it's it's really kind of refreshing to see her seizing that and really getting to lean into that because
because normally she plays goofy or like goofy lawyer or goofy cop or or hard nosed cop. You know, like sexy hasn't been a thing she's gotten to really indulge in. So it's it's interesting getting to see her embrace that. And she's playing Billy. She's Billy. She's the lead. She plays Billy Connolly, the lead. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. the, so this is her story. It is a story told from her point of view. She was talking about when she first read the script. This is her quote. Uh, I, I actually put this up on Twitter earlier. She said, quote, I was excited, nervous, and turned on. She later goes on to talk about, uh, there's a lot of conversation in the entire panel about sex and being awkward about it. And one of the questions that the moderator asked at the beginning was, how did you describe the show to your family? Like, what did you tell your moms about the show? And there was a lot of mom, gotta close your eyes, mom, please don't watch this kind of thing, <laughs> which was very, all very cute. Uh, Margaret Odette, who plays Sasha Snow, she said that, uh, I tried to really emphasize the life part of the title when I explained it to my mom and less <laughs> the sex part but she goes on and i think this was the important part of besides excited nervous and turned on which having watched the pilot i was all of those things i was excited nervous and turned on also <laughs> uh, she <laughs> she went on to emphasize that there's no shame in the sex and there's no shame in women wanting it and i, I think the best quote came from uh stacy ruckheiser she's talking about how the show is from the female gaze it's from the female perspective this camera you know how it shows mostly like they linger on the woman's torso as she takes off her shirt or she bends over and you get a long a long sweeping shot of like her leg up to her ass this show does that but it's on the guys though there there's a scene where she's in the bedroom and mike vogel her husband uh, plays cooper is like getting undressed while like he's talking to her and he's just getting undressed he's not thinking sexy times he's thinking he's talking about like work stuff to her and she's like biting her lip and just watching and the camera's just zooming in on his 19 pack abs that he has and his nipples <laughs> and his ass and his legs and all of the toning that he has you know and it's just lingering there it's like the camera wants him she wants him and Again, that's not something you ever see, especially not on 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 television. So Stacey Rukeyser talks about how this show is unapologetically about that. It's about a show from the female perspective. But this was my favorite quote, and I think all women need to say this. She says, it's okay to say you've had sex. It's okay to say you want more sex. It's okay you want to say you want better sex. That's fantastic. I'm like, yes, Stacey. Yes preach i think everyone needs to everyone is entitled to those things but especially when i think it, i think it's a it's an interesting time for this show to come along and and say no we're we're not gonna like hide our sex under our sex light under a bushel anymore yeah there's really like nothing that so so far everything that you've described like i can't think of anything that is that sex positive from a female point of view uh, there's not. Uh, there is not. And and Stacy, she talked about that, and and she started off the panel talking about that uh, when when she was talking about the show. And one of the things that interested her was this ability to tell the story. That how often in 2021 do you get to tell an original story? Not very often, and or for, or take an original angle. Not very often these days. You know, there's so much derivative work out there. So being able to give this and netflix allowing them to have i mean you know netflix has like nudity and netflix has sex but nothing terribly graphic this show has some graphic sex uh, there there's a scene without being too spoilery there's a scene where she flashes back to the types of men she has had sex with uh and, and like a, a brief list and it's giving you flashes of her engaging in sex with these different types of men you know the rich man the poor man the the rough man you know stuff like that kind of thing and you're seeing her in all these different positions going at it and here's another thing that came up during the panel 
all of the cast, the men and the women, there were two guys, there were two women, all of them equally, they all praised the show about how it handled the the crew, the creatives, the other cast members. They all praised the safe environment on sets. They all gave a lot of praise to the intimacy uh, coordinator, which uh, SAG requires, the Screen Actors Guild now requires uh, in under an earliest contract for any sex scene. So it's all choreographed. It's all, it's all made to be very clinical, so no one is made to feel awkward or harassed. They all praised that, but the thing that was more interesting to me was that they all all made a note to say how the sex on the show is pointedly and purposely not gratuitous. This is not a show that is, it's not porn. This is not, this is not, oh, the, the pizza guys at the door. Oh yeah. You know, it's not that ever the sex, when the sex is depicted in a show, it's happening for a storytelling reason or has an emotional beat behind it that we're going to pick up or we're supposed to recognize, you know, it's not just like, all right, we've been nine minutes and we haven't seen a boob or a dick or an ass. Let's get sex. It's not that. And and in the pilot, I could say it's not that. It's all narratively used. The sex is all done narratively, at least in the pilot anyway. That's what I could vouch for. So I, I think that's, again, good, right? Because that makes this kind of thing something that maybe gets picked up down the road or makes it hard to complain against. You know, no one can be like, this is filth, this is trash. No, this is telling a story. This is telling a story about a woman's sexuality. And, and how she's having to wrestle with being okay with her sexuality and, and uh, you know, and not feel like she's being put down. I mean, I know I'm a guy saying all this, but it's I recognize it's a story that's not being told enough at all. So I was really excited to hear this. I was really excited to hear Sarah talk about sex on the show and, and reading it and being turned on and admitting, admitting to a panel and all the thousands of people that will watch that panel. You know, I was turned on by this. I was excited by this. But also, it's not shameful. There's nothing in here that I am, you know, ashamed of having made. And, and Stacey Ruckheiser, the creator and showrunner saying the same thing but i mean like these are real conversations that do happen like you know people of a certain age you get to the point where it's like well you know maybe i want something different not that i don't want what i've got but you know maybe there's something more out there or different or but these are real conversations that i mean like i've had with people maybe not quite as a graphic context as as what you know this panel talked about and the show talks about but if if the conversation is happening sort of in like small town america not that i live in a small town but you know what i mean then there's something there to it there there's more to the story than just you know hey this is gratuitous sex which it's not which is what you're saying but the fact that there's these conversations and the story that that's out there and that netflix is addressing it i think that's fantastic it, it was really great and you know i think michael mike vogel who plays Cooper, uh, he made a good point. Uh, he said, you know, this the story being told here, it, that it's a very real portrayal of what happens in a lot of marriages and relationships over time. You know, the pilot episode goes into how Cooper, you know, they're, they're again, without being too, too spoilery, and it's not major, this is not a spoiler really at all, but there's a scene where, you know, they're having sex, Cooper and, and Billy, and, you know, it's hot and she's into it. But he's kind of like trying to watch the football game like around her, you know, so like he's like moving its head and and getting really distracted by it. And then, you know, she kind of like, you know, you know, over here, over here. And he like he snaps his attention, too. But then like, again, his attention wanes again. And then like he's still watching the football game, you know, and she she in her voiceover in her journal says it wasn't always like that. And then, you know, she gives a flashback to how their marriage used to have the sex life that she needed. 
it's this over time, this erosion over time that happens. And and I thought it was interesting, Mike, talking about that. That is a real thing that happens. That is a real conversation that happens in marriages. It's a real it's a real uh, situation that comes up in marriages. And again, it's just not that at least television movies don't ever depict it from the female's point of view, which I know I've said that a bunch, but I can't say it enough because that's what makes this show unique. But we've all seen, I've got to go get a side piece from the guy because the old lady's not giving it up anymore or whatever. We never get it from the reverse and we never get it from the reverse point of view and, and where maybe it's okay. You know, when women cheat in television or movies, they're like given the scarlet letter and like stoned to death almost always. That's not necessarily the issue here. You know, it's it's more like she has a right to be sexual and to want sex. That's not a bad thing to desire that. So uh, really interesting show. Uh, like I said, the, the cast is great. I, I all of these people, Sarah Shahi, like I said, I've been a big fan of for a long, long time, going back to Fairly Legal. Mike Vogel, he was one of the two leads on Pan Am like a decade ago, which I loved. But oh, wow. then he was in Under the Dome, which was fine. That was a fine adaptation of the Stephen King uh, story. Um, but most recently, he was the lead on the show Brave, which ran on NBC for a season. And I was a big fan of that. I was a big fan of his. So I, I was really happy to see him kind of get back on TV and get back into a show. And this is a good role. Uh, you know, in talking about the casting, Stacey, uh, she mentioned mentioned him she went through all of them the the moderator asked to give like a, a casting quote about all of the characters and and for mike she goes you know the role of cooper in the book is is a pretty vanilla guy and and mike vogel elevates that role you know it turned into what could have easily been a really vanilla boring husband where you understand easily why billy would step out on him or be desirous of sex with other people in the book uh that that mike vogel has really elevated that role and actually makes it more compelling you know that he checks so many of the boxes as a husband it makes the conversation of what billy is doing it makes it much harder to defend or at least makes the makes it a better conversation of how much is too much you know yes can you have it all is one question but how much is enough then becomes the other question okay so sometimes he watches football while you guys have sex but he doesn't do it all the time you know it's not always football season so that kind of thing you know and and that's kind of what mike vogel brings to the role and and again when you see the pilot you get a lot of that uh you know i don't really know adam demos too much and you don't get too too much of him in the pilot uh the story really sets up the relationship between billy and cooper so you get a lot of sarah and mike in the in the pilot and guys if you are buying your badges to atx festival season 10 you can watch the pilot right now it's part of the video on demand library so i don't know what better i don't know what better pitch i could give you to go buy your badge for atx tv festival right now so you can go watch this sexy sexy show coming to netflix in uh, two weeks uh, with that, actually, we're actually going to move on to a conversation with Kat from Shuffle and Latinx Lens about Selena. As promised, Kat from Shuffle Online and Latinx Lens is here now to talk to us about the Selena the Series panel, which occurred late in the evening today on day three of ATX TV Festival. <gasps> Kat, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us here on PCH's press pass podcast when when i saw selena was on the, the schedule today i knew i was going to watch it because you know there's been some interesting talk in season two or part two of the series actually just came out early in may and you guys had covered the series you and rosa uh your partner mm-hmm. at latinx lens had covered 
uh, the series for Pod Clubhouse. Uh, you guys could go check out their two-part series, their two-part Love It or Leave It for part one and part two over at Pod Clubhouse. Uh, so I knew I had to have you on to talk about this and, and see what you thought of this panel. Did it inform or change your view on the show? Did you learn something? So I, I can't wait to hear your lowdown a little bit on what you thought. Yeah, I was really excited uh, when I when I saw this um, as well because I was just like, ooh, like maybe maybe it will change or maybe not change the the way I um, receive the series because I don't know if that could change, <laughs> but maybe just try to understand why you know like. Uh, I do appreciate even when things are, you know, I don't like a series or a movie or anything like I do try to appreciate like the work that goes into it because it is someone's job and lots of people's jobs um, that we see on screen. It's not and I know no one sets out to make anything that's bad, you know? <laughs> but unfortunately, like it's art and subjective and, you know, we I can't like everything. But I, I did want to get some insights or at least try to, you know, see what they would say about the series. Um, and the people on the panel were uh, Moises Samora, who was the creator and executive producer, uh, Jaime Davila, also an executive producer, and then two of the cast members, uh, Christian Serratos, who played Selena Quintanilla, um, and then Ricardo Chavira, who played um, her dad, Abraham Quintanilla. Um so yeah, it was just uh, I and I guess to preface this too is like uh, there's an LA Times article that just came out about um, basically how Latino series are getting kind of shifted in the main like title of that thing was like oh Selena the the writers kind of talked about their experience and that it wasn't the greatest and like pay scale and they didn't get the resources from Netflix and that sort of thing. So I was wondering if that would spill into this panel. It did not, I guess, because it was pre-recorded. So, um, or I don't know if it was just also agreed upon, like, don't ask anything about that. I I don't know about that though, because it seems unlikely to me because, because Moises is, is quoted in that, article it mm-hmm. seems to me that i don't i can't see that he would have run from it and they've done the two parts that they're doing on the show now um and, and that article i thought i found that i think the date on the article the la times article i think was june 11th so more likely than not this was probably taped before that yeah. article came out but that article was a little misleading yes. in in what it was actually about versus what it versus what the title, the headline of the article was. Yeah, Selena was just the one part, and then there was a bunch of other uh, Latinx creators of other shows that were talking about just their experience in Hollywood and how... And the uh, inequity of it all. I mean, the fact that, you know, they, they, uh, I think they had, there was a, the crown was an on average thirteen million dollars per episode, Mm -hmm. and this was what, two and a half million dollars. Yes, yeah. So. Yeah, and it did. Get, I think that article actually kind of changed. Uh, I mean, it again didn't change the end product of how I, I received the series, but it. I know. I think me and Ross had touched upon it. Like it felt a little bit cheap, or it felt like there wasn't a lot of resources, and that's not the creators necessarily. You know, like they worked with what they had, and they tried to do the. Like it, it felt that way, and so it also made me feel less crazy thinking and and you know feeling really guilty about not liking the show, but then. You, I, I read that and I was like, oh, okay, yes, that makes sense. <laughs> right, which, you know, it is an important topic in and of itself uh, to, to bring about because, and, and I know this is something that you and Rosa especially spend a lot of time on and, and talking about, and it's one of the reasons you started Latinx Lens, um, because 
that the the latin voice is just still not being heard it, it's still so invisible in hollywood unfortunately and it, it keeps feeling like this uphill climb and the defense of the show being produced in mexico doesn't really pass the smell test for me for netflix to to lowball it budget wise you know it still yeah. requires x dollar of uh, amount of money to make a quality series no matter where you're actually filming it and uh so yeah i it's I, yeah, I mean, there's a if we go by that same um regard like narcos was filmed i think in in on location like I, i'm not sure um because i know they had like there was one of the, something like bad had happened i know they filmed mexico in mexico and also i don't know if the other two like the ones that were in colombia were in colombia that series looked very like it was very well made you know and i feel like so why is that show you know like it just opens right. up a whole thing of like what like what why is this one the selena the the pop icon like the mexican-american icon and also just universal icon um not given the same you know or given more money to knowing that it would be so popular right so that's a different like a podcast. A question, totally a different yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I think there is something there. The the idea where it almost feels like they're taking advantage of it. Like this is going to be a popular podcast. Millions of people are going to view it. Millions of people around the world or in Spanish speaking countries are going to subscribe to Netflix if they're not already to watch this specifically. Yeah. So why try? That's yeah. that, that's, yeah. A, that's yeah. a shitty ass, you know, thing to hide behind. Maybe don't do fifty two weeks of brand new uh programming and put some money into what you do want to create. <laughs> yeah. So. But um but I will say that this panel leaned more into um the positive and there were um some things that i did i hadn't um i guess read in articles and i did learn and i did appreciate i guess um after seeing the panel because it was it felt like it was very fluffy and like you know there was they're asking like how did it get started and you know what was the idea and um those general questions and um you know Moises was talking about the process of meeting, you know, the Campanario production company and how, you know, it was pitched and then like the con the con- the the concept and his vision, what which is one of the things that I don't really like about the the series is like that they had agreed upon that it was more of a um he called it a inspirational story and you know that's what they wanted to focus on instead of it being you know kind of obviously the negative part of you know her death and all that which I agree that. I wouldn't have wanted that to focus on the on that part, but in in doing more of the ins- inspirational cheesiness, they really went I think too far with that. And so like it, it was it was funny to learn that I was like, oh yeah, well you did, you know, you did succeed with your vision. Yeah, I was like, wow. I mean, that, job well done, guys. I mean, you guys yeah. really really banged it out. So great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but and then you know they were saying, and it, it does. It's just one of those things, like, when you don't like a show, it's, like, also, uh, I guess as a viewer, I'm sure you relate to this, you don't set out, you don't want to watch a show and and hope it's bad, you know? Right. Um, and so it's a lot of guilt sometimes, like, especially with this for me and, like, you know, Selena, our icon, or Texas icon, I really wanted it to like it, but I just, you know, you can't force it. So watching this panel also made me feel guilty because I was it's like a lot of guilt, I guess, because they were saying all these things like, yeah, we worked really hard and, right. and you know, we gave it our 110% and our crew and everything was so talented. I'm like, oh my God, like I just like keep honing it in like that I did not like this. 
I think if you read behind, uh, read between the lines a little bit with Christian and Ricardo, I, body language wise, I think Ricardo was saying a lot in in the panel, which I thought was interesting. But you know, even Christian, when she's talking about in the end, uh, when all is said and done, her experience, and you know, she talks about how the show brought her closer to her heritage, which obviously, and you know, she she admits that uh, uh, Selena was an uh, was an icon for her growing up, as it was for millions of millions of people, and remains so. Her response is that in the end she was satisfied with the entire experience yeah that was that was kind of odd i i I noted that because it's weird to say yeah it it was satisfying like like, it it would be something else that you like i don't know you know something that you're very proud of or you've had experience of i was like oh man that was like fucking awesome you know and like i can't believe it it's those sort of things and um they didn't have that energy like even moises i will give him credit and also Jaime. i think they were trying to do their best of like maybe they had already talked to the la i'm sure they already had talked to the la times right but he did seem generally excited because i mean regardless of how i feel about how um anything like they did make a show on netflix and that is really super cool um that's going to be on there forever so you know the platform exists forever um and so i think he was genuinely excited to be able to talk about this show that you know for better or worse they completed it (laughs) with with and that's like a feat like a a success but i think the actors like yeah christian and ricardo were a little like not as excited because like when they joined the panel it was like hey and then they're just like hey like yeah there i I was like they are are they unmute so the exchange there is she says christian says you know i was satisfied the entire experience uh deirdre uh behar was that her name uh yeah Mm -hmm. so she kicks it over to ricardo and she's like uh ricardo you know how are you doing what was your what was like meeting what was your satisfaction level and he and he stops and he doesn't say anything for an awkward three or four seconds and he says I'm okay. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, I, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> it doesn't yes. sound great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was really, that was very odd. And then I think also the code words that they were, the creators were using were, they kept saying it was an amazing opportunity, amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, that just feels like, oh, I had this. I don't know. It was felt like it was code word. Like, yeah, we had this shot, but we didn't really nail. I don't know. You know what I mean? Even though they yeah. were saying that they nailed it, but just felt like that's also something that I think has been talked about in, you know, with the Latinx shows. It's like you get the opportunity, but then, you know, things have been canceled and like shows have been, you know, like they don't, they give you the, the opportunity, but it doesn't seem to go in the long run or something. Like that's how it felt to me. You know what I'm get, saying? Right. Like that sort of thing. So it felt a little like there was code words, like screaming for help or something. I, it just kind of reminds me since they compared it um, and it's one of my favorite shows, The Crown, that is just so well done. And like, there's been so many adaptations that like, I can't tell you any of those other ones, right? Because The Crown is the one that takes the cake because it's so well made right. and so well done. And You see all every dollar of the $13 million on the screen. like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just imagine, I mean, I just um, wonder what could have been if they had even done like $5 million or $6 million or something. And, and I don't know what the money would equate to in terms of quality, but it, obviously it does matter what they were able to do. And so I guess if, you know, I've never created a show before, so... I don't know. Um, yet. You haven't created a yet. show yet. Yes. Yes. It just seems like, but then we've heard about all these, I don't know. I'm not going to dog the creators because, you know, it's just like, it's circumstance and stuff. But the panel was just interesting to kind of get those cues and, and things. Although I did learn um, the fact that like Ricardo's from San Antonio and mm-hmm. then he um, originally declined uh wanting to do um even audition for abraham Quintanilla because he forcefully he was, forcefully yeah. declined yeah yeah and i was like oof you should have 
<laughs> decline. Um, but he, he told his agents, like, yeah, I can't play this because I'm not young enough to be the love interest, which kudos to him for thinking he would be uh, 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 Yeah, right. Um, but he is good looking. So I was like, yeah, that, he would have made a good Chris. And then he was like, well, I'm not old enough to be Abraham. And, um, but then they told him like, oh, you'd be playing 15 years and, and all that stuff. And overall, I think I did like that, you know, they did get better in their, um, like, I didn't like him in the first part. Also like uh, Christian, it felt kind of stilted, but then I also learned with her that she went from like the walking dead mm-hmm. and like knowing that she got the part. And then they went on to Selena, like less than, t- she said less than 10 days, like a turnaround. So she didn't have that much time to like, she would, she said her audition process was like the, um, the preparation for the role. Cause she was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta act like I'm getting it because I'm not, I guess she knew like, Oh, I'm rapping, um, walking dead. If I don't prepare now, like I won't, you know, I won't have time. So, and it did show like in that part one, cause then like in the second part, it felt like she was more Selena and that's just like probably cause she was obviously all like characters get better in the, in the later seasons, just not just with this show, but like, you know, in general, well, they also and had so, the COVID break too, which in a way yeah. probably helped the help them with their preparation because it actually bought them some time, you know, to shut down. Well, I think she said that they shot three months and then they were shut down and it was three months or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah, because I did like part two better than than part one, and it, and that was one of the reasons. Like, I feel like all the, you know, they did feel like more of a family, and I'm guessing like the pandemic, although they had to be apart, I feel like that would also bond you in a way, you know, having to go through that. Um, together and then you know being away since they were filming in mexico so um those were things i was like oh i hadn't i didn't know about you know with um ricardo turning it down initially and then um like being very like i can't play this he admitted that he had he has he had i guess he still hasn't has never seen the selena movie which i don't know if i believe him um because it's like (laughs) edward like also like you're an actor and you haven't seen like edward james almost who is like the a big part of the of like you know, just in general, like, wouldn't right. that be one of your acting icons? But I don't know, it, it, in terms of, like, you know, being Latino and stuff. So I, I don't know how much I... I, I he, he doubled down on that position though he said that he even didn't want to meet abraham before yeah. filming the role because he didn't want to be influenced so uh, I, and I thought to myself okay maybe you don't want to see another performance i don't like reading reviews before i before i write or yeah. talk yeah, about reviews too. because i don't want to be influenced but if i'm playing someone maybe if i have the opportunity to meet them who's then they're still alive maybe i do want to meet them you know and, and inform yeah. uh, form that opinion a little bit i don't know i thought that was an interesting yeah. double down well, I thought it was like, it was, I think I've heard that from other actors, like they don't want to meet them because it will mess up their, like, you know, um, they want it to be different than like, you know, they're trying to be true to the, to the real life person, but they have to make it their own. So I, I, I don't mind that part, but it was just funny that he was like, and, and then Deirdre was like, as a Texan, cause he's from San Antonio. He's like, you have not seen that movie. Right. Oh, she was genuinely shocked. I mean, she almost fell out of her chair. She, she yeah. could not believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, I think she avoided the awkwardness of asking Christian that because I'm sure Christian had seen the JLo one. Like, I mean, you know, Selena as JLo. If she was such a big Selena fan, like, how could you not watch that movie, right? But those were those were some of the the things. Like, I was just like, okay, wow, like that. Um, that was very interesting um, to learn those little tidbits from the panel. Given how stern he was, even in this panel, did did you find it hard to believe that uh, they treated him like dad on the set and were maybe a little scared of him, maybe didn't prank him or joke around with him too, too much while on set? Or that mm. seemed pretty on brand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does seem, I feel like he is probably like really, um, you know, not as serious as he came off to be in the panel. Like, you know, when you're, but it's kind of weird on Zoom too. You're just like staring when you're not talking, right? Um, and 
so I don't want to judge him based off that, but I think, uh, I don't know. He seems like he would be kind of a prankster, you know? And then yeah. like the way that that was like one of the moments during the panel that it felt like they came alive, like him yeah. and Christian and they were like, Oh, remember like, you know, they want to really say stuff. And I feel like there was stuff that went down, like, you know, just like the onset stuff that you, it's probably like a spoken role, unspoken role that you don't right. talk about. Cause it's like very, you what know, happens uh, on set stays on set kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of made me think that, um, uh, it was uh, it was fun, you know, filming. Yeah. filming. I, I think it maybe was even nerves, if if nothing, not more than Zoom, because once he got out past the, the audition process, I felt like his whole vibe changed and he was much more gregarious and he interacted with Christian more. I mean, he really he kind of ignored the two creators, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, really you know. yeah, he was like, I have nothing to say to them, but he but he was warm towards Christian and, and she towards him kind of thing. And uh, it was there was a nice moment where Deirdre asked them to say what it was like to work with the other. And they were they were like, you go first. No, you go first. It was a very kind yeah. of cute moment. Yeah. 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 That that was nice. And it, it, it did like seeing them on screen. I, I I would hope to see them in something else, but I don't know if they'll ever work together again, just because, you know, it's kind of hard for that to happen again. Right. But they're, I think they are really good actors. It just feels like this was just not, you know. Having seen the show, having covered the show and now watching the panel, was there any characters or actors or anyone related to the project that you would have liked to have seen up on this panel that wasn't here or any questions that you would have liked to have been asked that didn't get asked? Yeah, I really uh, I really liked the brother um, who played A.B. I um, he and his storyline, like A.B.'s um, storyline does get, uh, you know, like there's backstory that, you know, I didn't know about just as a fan. And I did like that aspect of like they, they went into the family. It's just the way they did it. And it's not necessarily the way I liked it, but like his, and I think even in season two, like I liked, they, they dive into like when she was going to go and do English and like him not being a producer and, you know, like that kind of dynamic that would maybe break a family apart or like, you know, bring them together. And I don't know, just and the songwriting process. And I really liked, um, that actor who portrayed him. So it would have been cool to have him on there and maybe um, also the the actress who played Suzette because I think they had a really good dynamic towards like the end of the, the series. Um, it just felt more lived in. And as far as questions... Uh... I think it's kind of hard to do the, like those kind of panels, especially like on the Zoom, I bet. Especially like, on Zoom. Of, yeah. It's just kind of awkward because everyone will like start. And so, I don't know. I think she did... I think the, the moderator did a good job of like doing the the, the basic like how did this come about? What was your yeah. research process? You know, like, so I, I think given the format and like what um, ATX TV festival is, I think it was fine. Uh, does this officially conclude your coverage of Selena, the series you have, you have a feeling you think you're, you think you're going back to the Selena well at any time in the, in the near future. No, I think I need, I, I <laughs> and, need some distance. <laughs> yeah. And I think I need to stop feeling guilty about not liking the show. Cause I think that's silly, but I think it is something that, you know, as, as it's, you know, we watch a lot of TV and it sucks when you don't like something cause you're yeah. spending time, you know, on a couch. Even sometimes I watch stuff I don't want to continue, but it's either I'm covering it or just, I got to go through it. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's like 10 hours of your time, you know, or 20 yeah, hours of your that time. You will never get back. And yeah. And then during those, it's not like a movie, it's two hours. You're done. You might've hated it, but you never have to revisit it. Like this is 20 hours that you have sat every hour thinking like, man, this sucks. Like, you know, like that sort of thing. And so, and then learning more about the backstory, like with this panel, I felt like, oh man, they like, you know, they did do their research. They tried their best. It just didn't, you know, 
for me, the end product did not work very well. And so there is some level of guilt that I feel that I hope I can shed (laughs) during this process of like not covering it or not talking about it anymore. And then just also just revisiting Selena without having to think about the series and maybe just go back to the movie. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think, Um, I think we could all use some distance at this point, which is, which is fine. I mean, and I mean, how many years were were there between the Selena, the movie, the the JLo movie and, and this. So maybe, maybe we're due for a nice, a a nice rest now and let it all sit and come back to it when, when the money's more there. Kat, I want to thank you for coming on. There's still, uh, seven days left of ATX festival coverage. So I'm hoping that we get you back up here on the roundup again. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to be back. Uh, there's some good stuff coming up tomorrow on day four, guys, as we wrap up day three roundup. Uh, let's see. There's four panels tomorrow. There's Indigenize the Narrative, a conversation with Native Americans and Indigenous actors, writers, and directors about bringing Indigenous storytelling to TV. That's at 530. At 6.15, there's TV in an era of racial reckoning, a panel presented by the ACLU that's discussing how to repair inequitable systems and build a future through storytelling on and off the screen. At 7.15, there's TV Mixtape, a panel about creating original songs on TV and for TV. And uh, day four tomorrow night ends with uh, 8.30 with Oz, a retrospective uh, where the cast and the creators of the show come together and discuss it as it approaches, I don't know, I think it's like the 24 year anniversary of that series so i don't it's not not quite a great even number for uh, for a retrospective but there you are if you are an oz fan you don't want to miss tomorrow night at atx festival thank you guys for listening to pch press pass podcast and uh, we'll be back tomorrow night with day four roundup from atx tv festival uh, thanks to Kat from Shuffle and Latinx Lens for coming on talking about Selena. Thank you to Sheila McGann for coming on talking about Younger. And uh, this has been Mike. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.